kind of, uh, I just want to express my story, continue to talk about the things that are taking place. Um, I do want to talk about, and hopefully you had the opportunity or took the time out to listen to the messages of Seth but also I want to go into a little bit of the timing of the Lord. But what I want to start out with is uh, last Sunday as Kathy and I were uh, leaving our house and we tried to head up, up on our, to our camp on uh, Sunday afternoons and uh, spend Monday and part of Tuesday just separating from the presence of all the things that encompass us and try to have that time with the Lord. And uh, as we were driving along out... Uh, Get out of the driveway, but and we were so much aware, we were just voicing to one another the change of the atmosphere that's all around us. Not just in the realm of the spirit, but also on this realm here of the things that, uh, both the conflict of this age, the things of this world, but also the very presence of God and what he's doing. And while we're driving up there, I don't know how, how many of you uh, have the app of Marco Polo, but it's pretty, pretty unique. Uh, it's better than FaceTime because you can record a little bit and listen to it later. And then Kathy's got all these buttons that when you're watching the video, you can send up hearts and different things as a response to the uh, recording. But uh, Kathy's niece in California, she uh, had sent us a uh, Marco Polo. And as we're driving along, uh, I'm just so amazed because I'm purposed to listen both what to what the Lord is saying and the things that are transpiring, but also those in my life and the things that are taking place around us as we're responding to both the worldly events but also the heart of the Father. And so we're driving along, and uh, apparently uh, her niece has found uh, turmeric, which is a spice that apparently that she had not used before. But now she's cooking so much that she's finding this turmeric could go on everything and make it taste better. And so all of these things I'm just listening to, the, uh, the excitement of the new adventures and the things that she is finding within her household, her husband, they're spending obviously more time in the Word, finding time to pray together, also seeing the opportunity to be able to uh, see the needs of other people so they were able to pick up some groceries and uh, take them to a certain family. And so I'm just trying to be mindful of all these settings as we're moving along and I'm just trying to be so much aware of how I, how I approach it, I guess is the best way to say it. Because I'm watching both a dynamic of those that are like her niece taking advantage of the time but yet I'm also seeing people that are missing the opportunities for this. And you know, I look at my own life for missed opportunities, places that I have regrets. But you know, back in uh, the, the early 80s, 83, Kathy and I were in really uh, what could have been a devastating car accident. Uh, and my head was flattened like a ping pong ball and I was in a coma for three days. And um, they thought if I was to live, I would be a vegetable but God had something else in mind. And so as, as I'm reviewing this time and I'm looking at the very things that we're seeing take place around us in the people's lives, um, I'm purpose in my heart not to have any more missed opportunities. Because as I watch the events that are taking place right now and the, 
the, the seriousness. I keep trying to, to bring the expression because uh, I can be quite emotional with this foreboding presence because I'm so much aware that in my decisions, the, t- the, the time that I'm taking out right now, um, I know when I come before the Father that my sins, as I've repented and asked the Lord, I've just had this heart of believing for this godly sorrow to change and turn the way that I have lived my life in certain areas. And that by the power of the blood of Jesus and covers those places in my life. And when I go before the Father, I know those areas of sin. He sees the blood of Jesus. He knows the heart repentance. And those are all placed in the sea of forgetfulness. But the one thing that I am very much aware of is that when I stand before him, I'm going to account for my time of how I've lived my life. And with this urgency, if you will, that's taking place that I see now, um, I, I keep coming grips with, as in the days of Noah were, and if I allow myself to let my theology, and I may be repeating myself, but I think it's significant, because when we take these scriptures and put such weight in them, for so many people take both the story of as in the days as Noah were in Matthew, but also in Luke. We can put so much weight on these scriptures of how we live our life out, but we only address a portion of that scripture of how it applies to our theology and our eschatology. And I'm always just trying to ponder before the Lord, and I'm just again telling you my story. I look up the definition of eschatology. And the root word is last. And so it's being preoccupied with the future or the last days. And the last thing that I want to do is be preoccupied with that which I think my eschatology is trying to identify through a few scriptures, which according to the word is supposed to be the anchor of my soul. But if I'm taking those scriptures and aligning with that which I only believe, then I'm going to miss the story. And I wrote this down because it was a word that that somebody brought. (laughs) Asking the question, do you read what you believe, or do you believe what you read? And so as I'm looking at these scriptures now and the emphasis of the Father asking this time of partnering with him or being a part of building this ark, but recognizing that I could become so narrow-minded in my eschatology that I could be looking for down in the future. And as we begin to approach just going over some of these words that came during Tabernacles through Seth, it was all focused on This is your time of visitation. The time is now. And so I don't want to have any regrets. I don't want to have what I think right now is my preoccupied focus with the things that he's saying for the future. Because so much of it really is purposed and established in the now. And so realizing that this atmosphere that we're living in, the very presence of the time of the Father and the time that we're in, not wanting to see my life be 
uh, set in that place where I'm focused and I'm going to miss the things that God is saying. But can you imagine? Because <laughs> again, I'm, I'm looking at this chapter 5 all the way through the fulfillment in Genesis, when God's speaking about Noah's life. Now, Noah could have at any time said, okay, God, I'm going to focus on the future. And when we focus on the future, most of the time that becomes selfish or self-centered. I'm imagining myself now, and I'm looking at Noah's life, and I'm looking at the whole story of Noah. Can you imagine, Noah now has, God spoke in chapter 5, on 120 years, this is going to come to fulfillment. And Noah had such a relationship with the Father, because we know that he found the grace of God, right? He knew that of the Father, he was just a man, and he walked with God. So Noah, in turn, had a pattern of how to build this ark. And he could have at any time said, you know what? People aren't listening to me. I know what's going to take place down the road because, again, we kind of come up with the, the, the foundation that he had 55 to 75 years to build this ark. He could have very easily said, you know what, I'm just going to downsize this. I'm just going to make this for me and my family because I know what's coming. I know what I can build to preserve me and my household. And so those are the things that I'm trying to guard myself in when I'm looking at the, do I read what I believe? Or do I believe what I'm reading? Because I so much want to get outside of what has been in really the doctrination or the doctrines in many ways of how we receive Matthew and Luke describing as in the days of Noah. I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to have any regrets. But Noah found because of his relationship with the Father it was so important for him that he would be one that's asked by God to not just preserve his household and his family, but really he was preserving, having the opportunity to preserve all of God's creation, those made in his likeness, his seed, for not just himself and his family, but all of his descendants. And that's something hopefully we'll be able to talk about a little bit later. But when I began to just look at this and I'm trying to just set my heart in a place to where when I begin to see the things that God is asking of us, asking of me to do, I don't want to miss any of it. And so as we begin to kind of move forward, I just want to kind of just reflect on a few highlights because I'm really hoping you took that time out to listen to the words that came during the Feast of Tabernacles. The first one was October 18th through Seth. And we, we begin to see more and more of this appointed time, the very things that God is purposing to do in these times. And if it's framed out in such a way, as it was, as things were in the days of Noah were, we need to begin to look at this whole aspect of what God is saying. And the very things that stood out during this time, number one, it took place during God's timing. It was spoken during the Feast of Tabernacles. It was, we've had for years, we've had the opportunity for Seth to come and be that generational part to bridge the generations, to be able to bring us to a place where we could hear all of the heart 
of the Father and how that was released. And so if you remember the story that he was talking about was the young man that had that vision or the experience with God and his crown with all these jewels. And going back to regrets, not wanting to have any regrets, not having the opportunity to have any, any encounters with heaven and earth and what God is doing according to his timing that I miss. And that was the regret of that young man, that there wasn't an opportunity to see more jewels on his crown, which were that yes. And so as we begin to see this unfolding word that God had prepared back in October, if you listen to those words, we are living that now. It isn't about eschatology of being preoccupied with the future. Everything that God released at Tabernacles, Psalms 2, his heart for the nations. And again, going back to what's taking place in this COVID-19, 184 nations have been touched. The word was, you have been invited into the Father's story. Father is looking for your yes. I will give you the nations, according to Psalms 2. And the thing, again, I'm trying to bring the now into what God is speaking, both in that which was spoken in October, that which was spoken and written by Moses in Genesis, that what we as the church refer to in Matthew and Luke, and I'm trying to bring that into the now. So all of these threads and over these, all these overlays that I find, because something that um, Seth had made it a point of describing why God wanted to touch all these nations. And what Seth described was is that he wanted to see the altar of worship as a fragrance in every nation, every tribe, to come up to him. And if you then read in Genesis chapter 8, verse 21, Noah was then given the opportunity to come out of the ark with all of the animals in his family. And the very first thing that Noah did was he built the altar of worship, the altar of sacrifice. And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma of Noah's offering. And see, I'm looking at all of these settings that was spoken back in October. The invitation comes now. Will you say yes? Will you help me? Will you be a part? As I invited Noah, will you help me build this ark? And then on the 19th, it was go forth. Time of visitation. And the storyline is yes. Say yes. God has been speaking Psalms 139 forever. And we've been talking about our story that he's written concerning us. And now what God is saying is he's inviting our story to be part of his story and be able to establish the things that he's had upon his heart. And he says, evangelism, the local church 
are the front lines of fulfilling that which he's asked us to do. And so when we begin to see this whole uh, framework, if you will, of what God is establishing, it's really, really important that we begin to see really um, the timing of the Father, where we are in the now, the purposes of God, of what he's purposing and desiring to do. Now is the time of visitation. Now I'll give you the nations. I invite you into my story. Now, knowing that we need a foundation of as in the days of Noah were, I want to be able to go to Genesis 1. There are those that I know when we asked to please go to the BibleJubilee.com to look at the calendar. There were a number of uh, opportunities for people that rather than concentrating on the calendar, were looking more for the eschatology stated on the website. And so I'm just going to ask you again, don't get preoccupied with the future, though it's important for us to consider. But would you take the now? Would you take the very foundation? Because if you, if I, if I'm putting so much weight on those two scriptures, I, I need to make sure that I know what those scriptures are truly saying, not just how it's going to fit my theology. And so I wanted to start out with in Genesis 1, because all of the timing started in the first seven days of creation. And so I want you just to listen to the scriptures. If the word is to be the anchor of our soul, you can listen to my story. You can hear what I'm describing. You can open your heart to the Holy Spirit. But let the word be the foundation. Don't just read what you believe. When Kathy said, when I said, when we were in the car together and the atmosphere has changed, all of it's changed. I believe it was the week before when Kathy ministered the word about us growing up. It's now time for us to be able to go to the Father, to be able to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. Amen? Yeah. So, Genesis 1, verse 5. Of course, this is all part of God's creating all the things that are physical now, all that he has voiced into existence. I guess we can start with verse 4. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So listen to this. So evening and morning were the first day. Go down to, to verse 8. And God, God called the firmament heaven. So evening and the morning were the second day. Verse 13. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Verse 19. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. 
Verse 31. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now let's go to chapter 2, verse 4. This is the histories, or in the Hebrew, this is the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So the first thing, I guess, that stood out to me that's important for us to understand is that according to God's calendar, this day starts in the evening, not in the morning. And so if in the days of Noah were, if God established his calendar in the very beginning of creation, the Gregorian calendar starts in the morning and goes by the solar cycles. According to creation, God started the day in the evening and he goes by the lunar cycles. And so I'm going to slow it down a little bit here because I, I've really become more aggressive in asking the Holy Spirit to take me through the Scriptures. I don't want to miss anything that's in the story of Noah. Because if most of the earth, if most of Christianity puts so much weight on reading the scriptures the way they have and have taken just a portion of Noah's story, I don't want to have any regrets. I don't want to count before the Father. I want to make sure that I've done all that I can to ask him, to be in a place to ask him. I want that living word to be my anchor. Not what of generations have called this scripture to be. But it's got to be living and alive for me to walk it through. For Noah, it had to be real. For Noah, it had to be real. Now listen, this is so wonderful. Because now we're talking about days and years. Because now we're going to go pretty much through the genealogy if you will, just a short part of it, of generations of Noah. We're going to start with Genesis 5, verse 18. Now, Jared lived 162 years, and we got Enoch. I thought this might perk up some of the ears of some of you. So... This is where Enoch becomes involved. Verse 21. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. And most of us have heard about Methuselah. Verse 24. And Enoch walked with God and he was not. God took him. Methuselah lived 187 years and begot Lamech. After he got Lamech, begot Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had sons and daughters. 
Lamech lived 182 years and had a son. And he called his name Noah, saying, This one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. Let's go down to verse 9. This is the genealogy, or some translations say the history of Noah. Noah was just a man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Now, there's two things that are important in this. If you would take the time out and really read these scriptures, there will so much that will enlarge our understanding of what Noah's life was like. Number one, it's pretty exciting to realize that Enoch was Noah's great-grandfather. And that gives you context because everything's based upon years. And those years are based upon what we read in Genesis 1. God's calendar of appointed times. Ecclesiastes says there's a season and time of all things under heaven. And so all of these, from the timing of God, the calendar, if you will, of God, the timetable of God, are all appointed and purposed by him. So when we go back to that setting again, as in the days of Noah were, we have to be mindful of what God is speaking to us. And the thing that really stood out to me most, and I guess it should be something that all of us really uh, be mindful of, from the time of Enoch to the time of Noah, there was two generations that missed walking with God. So we know that Adam and Eve walked with God. Enoch somehow determined in his heart. He knew the stories. He knew what was real, what was living, what was available. So in turn it took to the third generation of Enoch for someone such as Noah to stand up and say, I will. This whole time frame of the things that God is doing and the places that we find ourselves in, they're all appointed according to that which Psalms 139 speaks about, which is your story. Everything that God has purposed in his timetable according to that which he has written even bringing back that which is established in the beginnings. I honestly believe there was a reason for why in Matthew and Luke that Jesus referenced as it was, as in the days of Noah were, because there's so much more for us to really see, but not just to see, but experience. As we move forward in these settings, the calendar shouldn't be something that's a a focus other than and I have a couple of them that I printed out you can go online and there are a number of calendars that have both the according to the Gregorian calendar but they also have the Hebrew or Jewish calendar with the Christian holidays and I'll talk about those in a minute and you can just print those down or buy one one's three dollars the other one's ten dollars but what I believe the Lord is inviting us to is to be able to really believe what we're reading 
and have an opportunity to begin to see our life start to look beyond what we call the natural or going back to normal. Because if we have a calendar, you don't have to, you don't have to go to the Bible, BibleJubilee.com, and train yourself of how to learn how to figure out God's calendar. There's a number of people that do that. But what would be important to do is that you have a calendar just to say, okay, we're, we're kind of going towards June, July. We've just moved out of March, April. Supposed to know the seasons and time. We begin to watch the spring as Passover. We begin to look to June, July. That begins to say Pentecost, the season, the time, the umbrella. And then we move to October, September, October, because the difference between the Jewish calendar, God's calendar, there are reset days in God's calendar, which aren't always brought into the Jewish calendar. But right now, if you look at the calendar, Passover was on the same day. They move a little bit, but they'll only be off a few days. The other interesting part was, is this last Passover, it was the same day and the same day of the month that Jesus was crucified. So it isn't by mistake these overlays or these repetitive days of experience, appointed times, are all of God. And so as we move forward in these next days, now next week is Mother's Day. And so uh, we're going to take a break from this, but uh, I believe it's going to take another week for me to be able to touch some of the other areas uh, that are going to be important for all of us as we begin to see uh, what the Father is really trying to uh, to let us experience, but become, that our yes is very uh, moldable, if you will, in ways that maybe we weren't willing before. If we were pl- finding places of passivity, uh, I couldn't, you know, I, it's so moving, it's amazing, just through Marco Polo, and you hear the voice and the excitement of a young niece. Um, that, that something has become alive, uh, more than just experiencing, you know, uh, a new spice and maybe new ways to cook, because that's what she's spending a lot of time doing, making cakes and things like this. But more so, there's something awakened in the inner man. There's something in the spirit, because for such a time as this, this is why we were called. And I so much want everything to be pushed back because Kathy and I have had a lot of teachings over these 50 years. And I'm trying to push back everything that's had an influence in, in me in, in any way of my time to become either passive or ritual or something that I'm taking for granted. It's a wonderful, wonderful time in the places that we're seeing people and talking to people, even at a, a six-foot distance, if you will. But the testimonies that's coming through Debbie of the people that are a part of what's keeping us or allowing us to remain open to essential workers, the parents of these children. And how this supernatural working is, is awakening something in people that don't even know who he is. And we're hearing testimonies all through our food outreach that there's something that people are awakening to want to serve us. And all the while they're serving him, but they don't realize it. Because there's, there's this awakening life inside of us. And I honestly believe it's the love of the Father, but I believe it's something that's grounded in the now. We're not so spiritually minded that we're not earthly good. 
And so when I begin to approach this time, I'm, I'm experiencing so much more in this book of Noah than I ever have in my lifetime. I never thought that I would be in a place that it would have such depth. Because in the next time we gather, if you will, I believe it's chapter 10, chapter 9, chapter 10, it begins to speak about the covenant that God made with Noah. That's become something that I never even realized that was there. I've known in my heart a lot of things that I've seen have had affirmed through different ministries. The very areas in my life, the fathers and many of them that I don't have with me any longer, that I've relied on to balance out the things that God is showing me. <laughs> Thank goodness I got Kevin George who, who set out to learn Hebrew and within five or six weeks the fellowship that he's at down there in the Carolinas, they said, listen, we're, we know you're learning Hebrew. Could you teach us? And so I don't even think that was maybe a year ago. He's now read the whole Old New Testament, or maybe the whole Old Testament in Hebrew. He's teaching Hebrew classes, and now he's reading the New Testament. So I run things by him, because there's things that are in the true Hebrew, because unfortunately the Septuagint that was written by the Greeks, which was so much of the foundation of where our Bible came from, they were so influenced by the Greek culture that you have to go back to the original Hebrew because so many of the Hebrews in the day of the Septuagint didn't really know their own language. They knew Greek better than they did Hebrew. And so all of these things are becoming alive because if we have been invited to build an ark of his presence, a place of refuge, a tabernacle, again, being able to take that time out if you would just look at the covenant that God made with Noah and his descendants. That's what we're going to carry. The spiritual house, this ark, this place of refuge, this, this tabernacle. It's going to be a tabernacle to every nation. There will be an altar of his presence of worship and a fragrance and aroma that's pleasing to the Father. And he'll know that that's mine. That's my beloved. Those, those desired not one more generation be lost. No longer a single gap. That these say that they walk with me. That they've found my grace through my son Jesus. And though they're just mere men and women... They walk with me. Noah was a man of faith, obedience, preparation. And so I don't know if you can feel the weight of his presence. 
in this because I, I, that little camera in my mind watches Seth often when he brought that word in the tabernacles because if anybody has walked with the reality of the feast of the Lord the feast of the Lord the seventh month according to his agricultural calendar was the new year everything that God speaks at tabernacles is an unfolding story of his word that becomes fulfilled. And that's what we're experiencing. That's why I reference that time with Seth in October. And I see that young man in the room and with his crown sitting on, it was either a table or a chair or on the floor, I can't remember which. And he was puzzled by these jewels, gems, And there's so much. Why would they be gems? Because the garden was filled with every gem, onyx. Everything that was on the breastplate of the priest was there. And so why would the breast of the priest be made all of the stones? And that's a whole topic in itself. It was to remind Israel, the true Israel, of what they lost in the garden as a reminder. And when I look at Seth describing that young man and his only regret was that there wasn't more jewels around that throne because those were the regrets that he had of not saying yes, God, yes. And so... Uh, I, I, just, I just make that appeal. Um, if you're not a student of the Word, if it's something that's hard for you to do, get, get with somebody and you can do a six-foot social distancing. Because there's something that becomes alive. That ink comes off the page. When you ask the Holy Spirit, there's got to be more. It's got to be more than just as in the days of Noah were. Show us, show me something that I can hold on to, an anchor that's real, that's so real for me. Because if I'm going to invite people, if I'm going to be one who's standing at this ark or part of this ark, if I'm one of those living stones, I don't want to give anybody less than truth. I don't want to give anybody doctrine. I don't want to give anyone my theology or my eschatology. And though, granted, I'm not a perfect man, though we all minister in part, but what I want, I want to see transpire, to be imparted, to be given, that we're truly living stones and a living word comes out that becomes quickened and alive in a person's life. And that the mindsets, that spirit of deaf and dumb that the spirit of this age has brought to people, that they can't hear the truth. They can't hear the heart of the Father. That we can speak 
that destroys the works of that deaf and dumb spirit and they become awakened and alive to the spirit of God and their yes is, yes, Jesus. So I just want to just to reaffirm, I know this is probably again for some people may, may not have any uh, uh, need for uh, a jubilee calendar or God's timing or have an understanding of it. Uh, what's important is, is that we begin to uh, say to ourselves, I'm not going back to the way things were. The world may want to go back to normal. I'll tell you what, there is so many things happening so quickly that God is allowing to take place of the orchestration of what man thinks he's doing in the earth. It's coming very quickly and it's very life-changing and just the very life that we're doing now and each, each state going a little bit by bit but still not returning back to the things that were normal. Don't let yourself go back to the normal. And if you don't know the Lord, if it's something that, that this is all foreign to you or you're just listening to it for the first time, don't let it be to the point where you say, oh, this is, this is too much for me. No. His grace is sufficient for all of us. He's always there. It's just an invitation. And there's been enough people that have had testimonies and I've heard enough that I... God, if you are who you say you are, if you're the father that, that they're referencing, if you have a son and his name is Jesus, then I want to know him. Because don't, don't let today bring fear back to, to Isaiah 43. Fear not. You're his He's with us. And even the world may be shaken. We're in the palm of his hand. And so I just want to encourage you. His love, even more than what I've tried to describe this morning, will carry you, will carry us through. Amen. So next week is Mother's Day, so make sure that you take time out uh, do something special for all the moms or the moms that uh, are to be, because I know that's coming up for some. Do you want to add? Yeah, I'm just going to we'll just grab the microphone there. Can you turn it on? Oh, it's, it's on. It's, yeah, on. it's on. Uh, just stay here with me. We're just going to close here in about a minute. Um, just up for Mother's Day, we're excited. Um, some of you may want to come and join us in person. We'll have something special to hand out to you that day if you're here. And we're just excited about it because God is creating a new normal right. for us. We had that word from Don Piper, remember, several years ago, the man, the author, uh, who came to visit us and ministered here during Tabernacles. It's still, on, um, it's still on the podcast, too, if you want to go to the website. Right, you can it's check it there. out at the podcast. Yeah. And... Um, he started a whole thing that we were buzzing about, the new normal. And it's been so fun to watch the yeah. world catch on to that term. I mean, everybody talks about the new normal now. Yeah. Yeah. But thank you, Don Piper. Yeah. He's the author of 90 Minutes in Heaven. And if you still aren't sure, 
that you believe in Christ, be sure and read that book. You can find it right in Walmart. It's anywhere. You can grab a copy. It's awesome. And yes? if you look at the time, the date, that was during Tabernacles yeah. when yeah. he was here. So again, God's appointed word. Amen. So there is a new normal, newer than any of us could have imagined, but we don't want to go back to the way we were. I don't want to go back to the way I lived. I don't want to go back to the way I thought. I want something fresh from heaven. You know, when Jesus came, the sad part is they had what they believed. It's what Lonnie is talking about. They had the books of the prophets, and they had that word, and they had come up with what they believed. Mm -hmm. Right? And they read it according to what they believed. Problem. Mm -hmm. Big problem. They missed out on Jesus. They didn't recognize him. They thought it was going, they knew Messiah is coming, but he didn't look like the one they believed was coming. We don't want to be like that. That's what Pastor is really trying to tell you. Read the word. Not with just what you think you believe, but read, believe what you're reading and read it afresh and let new revelation and understanding come to you. Believe me, the, when he finalizes on this, it's awesome how this all comes together. I hope. <laughs> it, it, it is. Um, it's really awesome and you'll be very excited. But we do. We invite you to Mother's Day this Sunday and for those that can't be here, we'll be thinking of you and loving on you. We only have today. We don't know what tomorrow will bring to our life. So Jesus said not to worry about it, but let's be mindful, like Pastor's saying. What are we doing right now? If we only have today, and tomorrow I go to meet Abba, Mm -hmm. Father, and Jesus, and my brethren in heaven, I don't want to have any regrets. Amen? So we just bless you all. We miss you so much. We do, we do, we do. uh, This whole social distancing isn't fun. Miss the hugs. But um, we're sending you all our love and affection as we prepare for our offering here in a moment. We just bless you. We pray over that which you're giving God. All of your giving, whatever you're giving to him, and hopefully you're giving him your life. And so we just pray for you today. We pray for God to meet, as he always meets, every one of our needs. And we thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy and the blood of Jesus Christ and for sending your Son to save us and deliver us, Father. We thank you for that. And we just bless you all. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love you. See ya soon. <laughs> Love you. Enjoy.